Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, we read the account of the interactions of Nabal, Abigail, and David. Nabal was a wealthy man and an evil shepherd. His own servants stated that he was such a son of Baal that no one could even speak to him. He was cruel, crude, arrogant, short-tempered, and short-sighted. Yet he had a good wife, whom the scriptures recorded as being both smart and beautiful. She tended well to his affairs, and the servants could speak to her with ease. Much of his increase and blessing could have very well been attributed to her good management of his house. She feared the Lord and trusted in his words. David and his men were camped in the wilderness of Carmel for a season. While they were there, Nabal's pastorers, which refers to something that would be akin to like a sub-shepherd, someone who was under the shepherd of a flock who works for them and tended to their sheep in different pastures. It's actually where we get the modern word pastor from. So Nabal's pasturers were in Carmel where David was. And all the while that they were there, David was very good to them by Nabal's own men's confession. David's men were a wall to them by their own description, meaning that they protected them. Nothing was lost while they were there. No sheep lost to thieves or predators. No men lost to the enemy. None of David's men treated them harshly. They were very good to them and helped them selflessly. Therefore, in the time of shearing, when profit would have been made from the sheep, David sent his young men, who had labored to help look after Nabal's men and goods, to ask for a portion of the increase. After all, it would not have been so plenteous without their compliance and assistance. A tithe for them having rebuked the devourer from them and for allowing them to peaceably prosper in their territory under their covering. To this, Nabal railed against them, telling David that he was a nobody who probably just ran from his master. Who did he think he was? Allowing his men under him to ask for this offering, striking a blow to what he knew to be right. He wasn't a nobody. He was the chosen of God, the promised king. How dare this man be so ungrateful and so arrogant? David orders his men to get their swords, and they ride out to kill every male of the household of Nabal. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants tells all to Abigail. Abigail gathers an offering and rushes out to meet David. She acknowledges him for who God says that he is that he will inherit the kingdom and is worthy of the offering. His men had rebuked the devourer, which had caused the increase to begin with. Therefore, the increase was his regardless. 
so would she give it and more. Abigail, in this instant, demonstrated true intercession. She ran out in between the wrath of David and those who deserved it. And she pleaded with him, and David heard it. She reminded David of how he had not taken matters into his own hands as long as Saul had pursued him. She reminded him to maintain this testimony and allow space for God to defend and to validate him. She pleaded with him not to fight back against this injustice and end up with innocent blood on his hands in the process and ruin the testimony and message that God was delivering through him and his experience. I think we could all use some of Abigail's wisdom. David blessed Abigail for her advice, wisdom, prophetic insight, humility, obedience, intercession, and offering. Yes, Nabal was a bad shepherd, but there were good people among the servants of his household. And Abigail interceded for them. So what happened? David took the offering and waited. He tarried for a season. And when Abigail told Nabal all that had happened, the scriptures record that his heart died within him, and within ten days he passed away. So David sent his men back in and offered Abigail to come and be married to him. She left the house of Nabal, that bad shepherd, the son of Baal, to be married to David the good shepherd, the king of Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 34, you can read the whole chapter. It's actually a warning from the Lord against the wicked shepherds of Israel for being greedy and selfish, that God will take the flocks from them and give them to a good shepherd, the promised king, the son of David. So you see what happened here, the message that God was relaying through David and Nabal was something that would echo through the ages. But as we have Jesus, that heir of David, within us, we see this repeated many times through history, that when bad shepherds arise over the church of God, then he will come against them with wrath and with justice. But it's not for us to take matters into our own hands and don't forget to intercede because there are always still a good remnant among the servants those that God desires to bring into the true flock of David? Are you interceding? Are you pleading for a little more time? Are you praying for God to remove those wicked powers and principalities so that the people of God can be freed and have the ability to run boldly to Jesus? Yes, Jesus did this at Mount Calvary, but he continues his work through the body, through the bride, through each of us. He is the good shepherd, according to John chapter 10, verse 11, that was willing to give his life for the sheep. He stood before the bad shepherds in the court of Caiaphas, the high priest. And in the same manner that God took what belonged 
to Nabal and gave it to David. God took from the wicked shepherds of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And they gave them the opportunity to become the bride of a good king. And a lot of this story revolved around the tithe, the selfishness, the greed, the cruel and crudeness of those who had been entrusted to lead. You see, Nabal was guilty, as so were the priests in the time of Jesus, of the sin of excess. They had the ability to bless David's men, but they didn't. But one last thing that I find so interesting and encouraging about this account is that Abigail, which was the bride, of course representing the church in our archetype, who God took from the bad shepherd and gave to the good shepherd. Her name means joy. And in Hebrews chapter 12, we read this, that looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The bride is the joy of Christ. It was us that he was willing to endure the shame and the reproach and the pain of the cross for. He fought for us and he still does. We are his Abigail, his joy, his great prize and his reward. Don't lose sight of that that we're still the ones that he's fighting for. And that when we come into the body of Christ, we are to join him in that mission. And that he will move against anything that rises against it. Yes, God does correct and chastise his children, but his wrath is never against his bride or his remnant. His protection is always on the righteous. And our place is always to intercede. For the deceived, the lost, the straying, the wicked, and to pray for God to remove the wicked powers and principalities that deceive and influence them. And even if he must, to remove wicked leaders and replace them with his Davids, the good shepherds, the godly kings. Keep praying for the body, for the bride, that his joy might be full because as Jesus himself prayed to the father he desires for us to be with him yes now in prayer and in his presence but in his kingdom in new Jerusalem and forever in heavenly places to rule and reign with him yes there is a timing there is a process there are things that God had to do and are still doing until the return of Jesus but nevertheless Let us keep adding to the kingdom and remember that above all else, no matter what happens, he truly does love the bride. We are his joy, the ones that God has given to him. Lord, help us to remember today how much you love the bride, how much you have suffered and sacrificed that your joy, your Abigail might be placed before you that you might receive the reward of your suffering and let us have a heart that will stop at nothing 
to help you. And as we come to a close, having gleaned from the account of David and Abigail and Nabal, I want to take one more parallel to heart. Remembering that Abigail was married to Nabal, that bad shepherd, that cruel master. But she was bound by law under marriage covenant. Though her heart might have been for David and all of his goodness, she could not run to him until she was first freed from her bondage. This is the problem that many have today in their walk of faith. They try to take it by force. They try to do it their own way. They try to run and to be married to Christ while they're still married to Satan. No, Nabal had to die. This is why the Bible tells us that who we were has to first be crucified. Because that we were joined to the body of sin. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 1. He says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. In other words, those who know how it really works in the earth and in the spirit. Because heaven has a court. God is the judge. There is a legal system. He says, How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound to him by the law for as long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, just like Abigail's cruel master, Nabal, the one she was married to before, if he die, then she is free from that law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she be married to another man. Now understand what I'm saying. Abigail was freed from the law because Nabal died. Therefore was it right for her to then be married to David. Verse 4 says this as we continue this passage. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. In other words, Jesus took the body of sin with him to the cross at the crucifixion. He nailed it to the cross. That's why the Old Testament representation of it was the serpent placed on the pole and lifted up in the time of Moses. And then Jesus said, just like that will I be lifted up and you shall be freed from your sin by faith when you look upon me. Because he took that old husband, that serpent, that body of sin with him and nailed it to the cross. Our old man, that old husband, that bondage, that sin was nailed to the cross. It was crucified. Who we were no longer lives. And then we are raised again through the likeness of baptism. When we receive his spirit and are born again, a new creature in Christ, then can we join in marriage covenant with Jesus, the new husband, the rightful king, the good shepherd. Just like Abigail. Oh, gather your things. It's time to start that journey. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.